So if you're caring for someone with a disability and you visit a health or a care provider, you're not just visiting one person. It's far from it. There's a small army. There's therapists, support workers, clinicians, nurses, case managers, schools, families, and the list goes on. Imagine how many times you have to tell that story of why you're here or what happened at the last appointment with the last provider. So much reliving and rehashing of what should just be factual information and results that are available. But it can't be helpful for the carer and the person with the disability. And there's a lot that can be lost in translation too. So there's technology and there's technology providers working hard to help make care coordination more effective. And today I'm chatting with Danny Hui from Same View about this very topic. And today we're going to cover how to actually improve care coordination using technology and what that looks like. We'll also hear about Danny's own personal family story about why this is an important problem to solve and much more too. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Danny Hui from SameView, an online platform for disability care coordination, looking to remove the stress and workload related to managing a multidisciplinary care team and provide capabilities for improved information sharing and collaboration to deliver more effective outcomes. Hey, Danny, how are you going? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you on the show, mate, and um, really important topic to dive into. So I really appreciate you making the time. For those that don't know you and what you're up to, firstly, tell us a bit about yourself, please, sir. Sure. So I'm Danny. I'm based in Sydney, Australia, and I'm the founder and CEO of SameView. I haven't always been in the health tech space before SameView. I was an engineer in the traditional sense, working in things like, you know, crisis management, electricity, utilities. And as you alluded to in the intro, it's my family story that has brought me to creating SameView. Mm. It's always the engineers that make really cool stuff. Can I just say, but that's, when people ask me, what should I be? I go, just be an engineer if you don't know, because then you'll be able to make some really cool things. But before we get into SameView and what it is and what it's for, you touched on the family story. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I'm the father of three young children and two of my children have disabilities. So my youngest child, Monty, was born of a rare disease and my middle son, Ted, is autistic. I guess the story is mostly around Monty because it was, I guess, his journey that started this off. So as I said, Monty was born for a rare disease. And so Monty's team includes over 30 different people and the kinds of people that we have in his team. And these are people that support us to achieve Monty's goals, whether they're his health goals or personal goals or goals for building his own capabilities or his education, things like that. But these 30 people that I talk about, you know, they're people from say the traditional medical system, his clinicians from the hospital, they could be his neurosurgeon, his neurologist, pediatrician, people like that. There are people from the community health space, so people like his occupational therapist, physiotherapist, speech therapist. And then there are also people from, I guess, the specifics of the disability sector, so people like support workers, people from disability organisations. And then around that team, we also, of course, have his educators. We've got people like activity providers, so sporting providers, Mm. other activity providers. And really what we really struggled with from a very early stage is that these people don't talk to each other. So you as the parent or the person with a disability is in the middle of all this and it is your job to convey 
every little piece of information between each person. And we noticed that not only was it tremendously difficult to get people to actually be on the same page, what comes from that also is that then they're not working together. So every time you go to a new appointment, you're being asked, what have you been doing? And then that person is working in isolation from others. And in fact, not working together towards the things that were important to us and, and important to Monty. Mm. I can think of so many people who would resonate with that story and feel that even for their own healthcare, but particularly when caring for someone with a disability or as a care team, and also in the age space too, it's the same kind of story. So such a common story and that point around providers not engaging with each other, not through fault or anything of their own, just, you know, the platform they've got. So we're going to dive into that in a second, but tell us about SameView then. So that's what you're working on now? Yes, that's right. So SameView is about five years old now. We're a web-based platform for care coordination for families that are caring for a person with disability, but also for people with disability themselves. And so, you know, the problem we are solving is essentially getting everyone on the same page, talking to each other, working with each other towards the goals and the aspirations of the person. It is extremely consumer focused and we're really proud of that. The way that people share information is in a very practical sense. You know, they're sharing, or I'll say what they're not sharing. So they're not sharing things like clinical notes or doctor's letters or, you know, pathology results or anything like that. They're sharing practical things, photos, videos of, you know, what I might have done with a therapist in session. What are some of the things that I've been doing with my support workers, sharing them practically. And what happens is when you share a piece of information, the entire team can see what you're doing and they are then having the same context from which to make future decisions or to take future actions. Uh, all of this is then also aligned with the goals and aspirations that are set by each individual and family as well. Love it. I'd love to dive into that a little bit more because often when we talk about sharing of information amongst clinicians or providers and with patients, one issue that always arises is, well, what about the data privacy and security, particularly when it comes to the results, the clinical notes, all those things that you mentioned that aren't shared. So it sounds like you've made a conscious decision not to share that information on that platform. Tell, like you mentioned, you know, it's about their activities and what they're doing. Tell us a bit more about that because that's something that we've not really touched on too much on the show before. So that is all really driven by the users, the consumers. It's always been really important from us from day one to develop a solution that actually works for both the families, people with disability, but also the clinicians as well. So it was an active decision to essentially say, look, we are not in the business of, say, building a clinical note system for mm. a clinician for, or for a practice. We're not in the business of building a solution that solves, I guess, the business side challenges, things like customer record management, things like that. It is purely around what is the best way we can put something out there that just gets people on the same page and being able to talk to each other about the things that matter to the person. Cool. I think on first impression, a lot of people see it as being very simplistic, like very easy to get into. And that is exactly what we're going for. Mm. It reminds me of so many conversations we've had on the show before of how often, particularly when it comes to care for people with a disability, how often people don't ask what they want or like what their preferences are or like, and it sounds silly, but the system doesn't support that particularly 
And when you're talking about technology and how it supports that, it's about how do we get this pathology result over to this person and seamlessly accessing. But when you think about from their own perspective and think about their own goals and from a family side, what we're trying to achieve and all of that, I can see why that's so important. So, And look, you see this when you get a sense of the like the goals or the aspirations that people are putting into the platform. None of it has any sort of medical slant at all. If you could sort of see the goals that people are talking about, what they share with us is they're, they're things like, I want to live independently. You know, for the children on our platform, it's about their education inclusion or wanting to play a sport and wanting to get into an activity, wanting to drive, wanting to find employment or have friends or social activities, finding love, all those real life things. That's ultimately what all of the supports or all the appointments, all the hard work is for. Yeah. Amazing. And so people are using the platform? You mentioned it's been around for a while now? At last check, we have about 2,600 users. Um, Most of our users are across Australia uh, with a small handful in New Zealand. We do have users globally, but we find that people from other countries are generally supports or team members of people that reside here Mm, in Australia. We started... I guess because of my story, our initial user base was actually a lot of families like mine caring for young children. But now we support people with disability of all ages, including people with disability who utilize the platform themselves to manage their own teams. And is it effective? So is there a way to see whether there's been positive results from using the platform? Yes. So we're really excited that we're now starting to get the stories from our users. I guess if we look past sort of the top line results, you know, we talked about the number of users, over about 50% of our users are actually clinicians or team members. But looking past all of that, because what we get really get excited about are other stories mm. and the impact that we're making. Some of the really exciting stories we're hearing, an example of a young family here in Sydney whose little girl is growing up with a disability, but she is now starting to enter the education system. She's got great educators that want to give her the equal opportunity at education. But of course, not all educators are experienced in supporting, say, you know, this girl's particular needs. And what they're using Sameview to do is to wrap her support team, her therapists, her medical professionals, her support workers around the educators so that the educators have that support and know how to best support her and provide her with those education opportunities. So Mm. really excited about seeing results like that. We get excited when we see little stories, stories like a family in New Zealand who, because of COVID, because of their funding, they don't have regular appointments with, say, their occupational therapist, but through SameView, their therapist was able to notice that a piece of equipment was actually not being utilised the right way and they could, you know, just very simply say, hey, you need this kind of adjustment. It sounds so simple, but in the normal scheme of things, it would be months before they would actually see this person in person again. Um, Yeah, so we love seeing stories like that. And then overall, what we've seen, if you look, I guess, under the hood a little bit, we have seen today, if you count them up, there's over about 60,000 different engagements, so to speak. So pieces of information that are being shared or interacted with by team members. And what is exciting about that is that each of those represents, you know, without same view, a one-to-one conversation that you would normally have to have Mm. via a phone call or an email with any one of your team members or professional supports. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Like think about the workload that lifts off there to put it in a 
still get the same attention, but in a more scalable and effective way and allow more patient interactions for the other thing. That's cool. That's cool. And then so from a, you know, we always like to look at it from all perspectives on the show too, from a business point of view, how do you guys get paid? Who's the customer? Yeah. So the customer is, so in terms of who gets paid, I mean, in Australia, we are very fortunate to have the National Disability Insurance Scheme, the NDIS. That's created amazing opportunities for solutions like us to have a way to enter a market. So the way our business model works is that families or individuals with disabilities, they pay an annual subscription fee to use SameView, which is $199. They can use their own funding to support that. And then there is no charge for the supports or the clinicians or team members that they invite and they're welcome to invite as many as they like. So that gives us a very also low friction way to get professionals on board as well. Yeah, love it. And how do you find the engagement from the care providers and the clinicians? You know, they're always asked to put more information in different systems and platforms. And then is it up to then the patient or the carer or anyone to come up and say, hey, I'm using SameView. Can you put something in it? Like, how does that whole flow work? That's an excellent question. So it's been equally important to us to design this solution or co-design this solution with clinicians along the way. And we're very lucky that, that we've had a lot of clinician involvement in designing the platform. So firstly, sort of how it looks and feels for the professional, it is very light on their end. We know what their workday is like. You know, supply is low. Clinicians are generally booked out back to back to back, not just clinicians, even support workers. They're just all very, very busy people. And so you can't really have a system that requires them to log in multiple times a day, putting things in. That doesn't work. What they can do instead is even if they were very pressed for time, they could in the two minutes between clients, log into SameView, get an update of everything that has happened so they can start every conversation with a client with, hey, I saw this is what you've been up to. Let's build on this. As opposed to the question that all consumers hate, which is, hey, how are you going? Yeah. Um, just to dig a little bit deeper into your question in terms of how yeah. they use it. And this, I guess, sort of reflects the introduction of the NDIS as well and opening up of that service market. I would say when we first rolled out SameView, most of the clinicians that came on board were the ones that I guess, we're always looking for new solutions for their clients, how they could deliver better results. I guess, very, very engaged clinicians, so to speak, or professionals. What we've seen is that as the market has developed from how it was originally where you relied a lot more on the families and the individuals to sort of put all the information in and, and really sort of do the heavy lifting in terms of sharing information, even though we had the platform there to support them, we're starting to see this change rather rapidly where professionals are, I guess, more capable technically. They're willing to use different systems. They're willing to put notes in for the families as well, as long as the system is easy enough and light enough for them to use. Very cool. And so then thinking more broadly then about health and disability as like the industry or whatever, generally that you're operating in, how do you view the future of how this is shaping out? You know, you've touched on a lot of these points already, increasing yeah. adoption of technology. We've got that landscape of the NDIS. How is this all kind of shaping out now? Our vision has always been that if all things going right with the way the market is meant to develop, that in the future, we would have a very open market, a market where providers no matter what company they work for or what sector they belong in, do actually work together and one where they're driven by effectiveness. They're driven to actually deliver results. 
And we're starting to see this. So our strategy is just to ensure that what we put out there is aligned with that, that it's easy for people from different sectors to access technically, that there are no barriers for that. Um, it's easy for them to talk to each other. And that is a major challenge, like professionals from different sectors are crossing that sort of digital communication barrier. We are very focused on ensuring that the power and the control rests with the consumers, that they are free to change providers, to shop around and find what's best for them. And then, yeah, lastly, like I mentioned before, just very, very as low as possible friction for collaboration and clinician involvement. Speaking my language, I like it. Hey, one thing I haven't worked out yet is that I've come across you guys through Startup Health in the US. How do they come into the picture? Yeah, so we're really lucky to have the support of Startup Health. So for those that don't know about Startup Health, Startup Health is essentially a fund, a VC, that invests in what they call health technology transformer companies around the world. Their companies that they support reside within specific moonshot health problem categories. And so in late 2020, we connected with Startup Health and we were lucky enough to get their support and investment as well into us. Um, this has been really important. You know, they are very mission focused uh, in terms of the healthcare mission and they're also very founder focused. And so above being an investor, they're great support for me. It's given me the opportunity, especially from Australia. I think this is very important for someone working in health in Australia to be connected to a much wider health tech community wider opportunities to get feedback on what I'm working on to support me with the challenges that I guess all sort of founders in this space have as well. So mm. yeah, no, they're a wonderful community to be a part of. Love it. I just find it so funny that they're in the US and then we've connected and we're both in Sydney. So there you go. So we've gone around the world to be next door, basically. That's very cool. No, I'm totally on the same page with you there on that in terms of the importance of community in this niche little world of health tech in Australia. So, you know, thinking then... Because in our own THT Plus community, we've got lots of other kind of founders or clinicians that are involved in this space, looking at either how they can incorporate technology and care delivery. Also, increasingly, more and more listeners who are like you when you first started, coming from their own lived experience of the situation and then potentially looking at how technology can solve a problem. From your own experiences and going, you know, thus far, what advice can you give to others that are looking to utilize technology and, and improve innovation in healthcare? So reflecting on, I guess, my experience so far, jumping into the health tech space, or I haven't been in it for about five years now, I would say the first warning sign should be that health tech, as opposed to, I guess, other tech, I would say is actually a much harder road than others. It requires an extreme level of commitment to get results. And I think the reason for that is that unlike everything else, it is only about people. You know, yeah. health is about supporting people, getting outcomes for people. And so you have to prioritize the person over anything else that in other sort of tech spaces you could sort of spend more time on. So, so more than just thinking about your product or the tech or gamifying something or sort of sales processes or anything like that, ultimately all of those challenges comes back to the person themselves and you need to work so deeply with every single consumer. And then you find out that every consumer is different. How do you support as many people as you can? So I think that makes it a very difficult sort of hard road. But of course, the rewards are amazing when you get every little story back from your customers. It gives you 
all the energy you need to keep going. But on results, getting measured, proven results is also key in this space. And it's extremely important, which also makes it harder. So even for us, it's very important to collaborate with research partners and, and have reportable and measured sort of impact results. Because, you know, ultimately, who knows where any of us will be particularly successful. But those results are things that we learn that others can use as well and then create that impact as well. It's good advice. And I think often people become disappointed or jaded in the process because their expectations of what success is in what kind of time frame is misaligned with what's usually appropriate in this space. And I think, as you say, the focus on the people and the outcomes and playing that long game, I think that's why a lot of the solutions that are successful have delivered. So yeah, no, that's good reflections for others too, thinking about getting involved or needing that inspiration to stay. <laughs> that's right. It could definitely be a little bit disheartening if you, I guess, if your circles involve too many other types of tech founders yeah. that, you know, at times you may feel like they're having a little bit more fun than you than you are. Um. Yeah, yeah. Hey, then bringing it all together and then looking into the future for same view, what's on the horizon for you guys? What can we expect in 2022 and beyond? Okay, so for the future for us right now, our focus is on collaboration as always. And the areas we're collaborating in at the moment are really specific cohorts within that disability space. So we're working with disability support organisations for people with specific diagnosis or conditions or people in a particular life stage. So an example of that is, you know, adults gaining independence, coming into employment. So we're looking at sort of collaborating with partners in that space at the moment. But then also I mentioned that having reportable or measured results is really important. And we're really proud to have received or be part of two government research grants for projects that are starting right now this year. I guess the theme of them, though, is that they are helping us to expand and learn about how we can best support all individuals and families. And so that includes families from different cultural backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, I got into this to build something for all families, so it's very important to me that same view is something that everyone can use. Mm. Amazing. Look, I'll put some details in the show notes of this episode so people can check out more information about SameView in their own time and also on the Talking Health Tech website as well. Look, Danny, I really appreciate you making the time and great story and great to hear the work you're doing. And I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Lovely chatting with you. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen. <laughs>